0: Hello, welcome to Stories for the Earth. This is episode 20 Um, and uh, my name is Jennifer and I'm here with my co-host Ellen. Hello. And um, we're here with some very
1: special guests. Yes, we are here with Lainey Sullivan and Jameson Price Mm -hmm. of the music duo Holy River Formerly known as Lobo Marino, in case anybody out there has been, heard the music and not familiar with the name, and we wanted to honor them as being our first uh, musical-related guests on the podcast, because the messages and tone of their creative work very much embodies a lot of the concepts we're going for here on Stories from the Earth, so, yeah.
2: Welcome, welcome. Thanks. Thank Thank you you so much for having us.
1: Plus, we just love your music, so. oh,
0: thank you.
3: I can't wait to play again, yeah. Yeah. It's killing me. We
0: got to see you guys live down the street. That was an amazing experience. And so we we would also love to see you guys again play. Yeah. Okay. So um we are gonna do some uh, some questions and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna play some music and talk about the songs. So that's what we're gonna do today. Um, so the first question is. Briefly tell us how you guys met and decided to form a band um, and could you tell us a little bit about the inspiration and drive behind your music, musical project and the types of lyrics you write?
3: Yeah. There's an airplane going over our head. Sorry. <laughs> we live in the city. Uh-huh. <laughs> we met, well, we're in Richmond, Virginia right now and we met here like 14 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. We were both working at a vegetarian cafe and um, we fell in love <laughs> <laughs> and um, couldn't not be around each other, which is unique. Um, but yeah, then we, we both had been in different bands. I was in a, a folk band. We both come from musical families too. Um, and Jameson was in a punk band. And experimental
2: um, hardcore. Wow. And and folk punk too. (laughs) Ooh, um, folk punk. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, But after we were together for about a year, um, I had just spent a lot of time traveling around the world before we met. Um, I studied international studies and had just been living in Spain for a year and then traveling around Asia studying Buddhism. And um, I was like still needing to travel a lot. And um, we decided to go on a uh, a trip for an undetermined amount of time and to just like fly to South America and, you know, get rid of our apartment and most of our possessions. And, and we
2: ended up being travel. in South America for about a year and a half. And uh, during that time, we traveled. Laney brought her uh, accordion with her to play, and I brought a guitar. Yeah. So
3: we had like our backpacks, and I had my accordion on my front and my backpack on my back. And he had his backpack, his like guitar strapped to his his backpack and we wrote a bunch of songs while we were in South America.
2: We wrote our first album in South America, which is why we're called Lobo Marino or why we were called Lobo Marino. And, um, you know, so we, we didn't expect f- to be a band. We kind of just wrote the album there as sort of, a, our thoughts on our trip and, and sort of processing, um, being away from home and, and, and being on that journey and, um, it was my first time like doing a lot of extensive international traveling. And and if y'all, anyone listening, or if y'all have done some international traveling, I think it's like one of the most accelerate, accelerated ways to learn about yourself and learn about the (laughs) world around you. And so um, we kind of just wrote the song, expecting it to just be an archive of our travels. Um, And when we got home to Richmond, we recorded the album. And uh, then from there, you know, people liked it and we just kind of kept playing under that name. Um, But that's how the band, was birthed. Um, I would say at first we weren't putting a tremendous amount of intention into our lyrics. Um, you know,
3: uh, <laughs> they're pretty kind of silly sometimes. I mean,
2: I came from a folk punk background, and you came from an old timey right. background, so it was really storytelling. And it was, I mean, it definitely leaned into our folkness, which I think we still hold. Really yeah, I,
1: I think that's why the older material still carries through, even with the newer stuff that you might find is more intentional in the words. It all kind of still. Has a similar vibe, you
2: know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we are we are folk we are folky folks, you know, <laughs> and and so that that just stuck around. Um, but I think it was you know uh, when we really started, I think getting into meditation, and we had a group. Uh, we had a
3: group in Richmond that would go down to the James River because the James River runs right through Richmond, and there's an amazing park system, and we'd go every. Sunday and meditate there. We had quiet time, and the only rule was you had to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, it
2: wasn't a formal and, meditation practice, but it yeah, was awesome. You
3: could just draw or like rock jump or whatever you wanted to do. Um, and I was in this this quiet time, and I the lyrics to celebrate came to me that that song. And also this revelation that, like, hey, at that point we had been like touring for a few years, um, playing all the time, playing like hundreds of shows a year. Um, just because it was a good vehicle for traveling cheaply. And I was like, I realized, you know, this is a powerful practice and Mm. to sing the same thing every night to different people and to myself. And we're really missing an opportunity to grow ourselves um, with this, this practice. So let's make, you know, celebrate the song about manifesting a different time when when there's less war and we we shift into a time of healing ourselves and the earth instead of warring and damaging you know continu- perpetuating the the violence and and so I was like we can write songs about the kind of world we want to live in the kind of people we want to be and that can be our practice and I think that
1: comes it. through so well too I have to definitely uh, you know commend you because it. it the lyrics are very much, uh, to me, like, it sounds like a call to action of the human soul. You know, it's like, wake up.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that was the catalyst for us. I mean, it was that for us as well. I mean, we are so grateful that that folks find um, healing and ins- inspiration for our music. But for us, it's like, this is our healing path. And this is how we're healing. This is our vehicle of, of self-therapy. And so, um, you know, we're, we're grateful that other people resonate with us uh, with it. But it's like, it's to improve us as people. Um, And so I think when when we did start to cultivate that intention, not that the songs before didn't have like meaningful things in them. But from that point on, we just every single time we would sit down to write a song, tried to be really deliberate about what are we saying? Why are we saying it? And is this something that we want to continue to sing and to continue to cultivate and Mm. see? And and Mm. so that was the moment like that it shifted our our intention. That was probably around 2011, 2012. That, that. So
1: what precipitated the sort of rebranding in terms of changing the name to Holy River? Because obviously that was a very intentional thing. Yeah, yeah in yeah, the same
3: yeah. way, the intention, like I said, when we, we became a band, Lobo Marino, we didn't know we would be a band for 10 years, you know, longer than 10 years. And so we got to this like 10 year mark in 2020 and it was 2020 and it was like...
2: We didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> we
3: didn't know the, yeah, we didn't know what was going to happen in 2020. Um, But we were just like, we... We need, we're having so many conversations about, you know, can you tell me what Lobo Marino means? Where did it come from? And like, that was a long time ago and not really relevant to what we're doing right now. And Holy River, that song that we wrote first before it became our band name was that song like shifted so many things It really showed us like what a song can do when it like mm. takes on a life of its own and goes on a journey without it's like our child like we birth the song but it like goes it all its it, over all over the place and and does all kinds of stuff that we don't know about and um and it's so powerful people use it to birth their babies people use it to to help their friends die like it's just there's it's it it's so powerful to me beyond me like I didn't make that there's something mm. magical happening beyond us and um and the concept of the the river and the the holiness the the connectedness of the the blood that runs from our veins being fed by the waters that are the veins of the earth like that's what we want to talk about
2: yeah we just you found know? ourselves in interviews right we would give a really quick like okay here's what holy river means but here's what we really want to talk about is Robert our inter- Oh, sorry. <laughs> See, I've already made the transition. <laughs> um, you know, you know, be like, okay, here's what "lobo Marino" means, but here's what we really want to talk about is our interconnectedness with nature and the sanctity of that nature, right? And so, yeah, when 2020 hit, and it got to the 10 year anniversary of our band. Um, you know, despite even people saying like, well, that's bad marketing. That's bad business. That's that bad that it, it, it was <laughs> a, lot of pe- a lot of people said that, but really it was like, I'm glad that they said that because it brought us back to intention again. Right. It was like, well, what are we making this for? Is do we do this to be a brand? Did we do this to, you know, for good marketing? Like we have to be proud of the music that we're making. We have to be proud of the, the message that we're, they're sending. And so we need to Facilitate the best environment for us to feel the like most comfortable and the most resonant with what we're doing, and so we just did it, you know, like you know, consequences be damned, kind of. We just like went, for it, you know, and um, well, and
1: you know, in some ways, maybe the uh, the shakeup of twenty twenty and the pandemic has inadvertently helped because you were trying to launch that right as all that happened. But it what happened, what has happened globally, has kind of knocked everybody down a peg into like a restart mode, anyway. So it's almost like everybody maybe is in a more mental space to be like, "Oh, I just discovered this band Holy River and like Lobo Marino doesn't even have to exist in their mind."
4: Yeah, you know, it's that's like a an, fresh start a all the way around.
3: I appreciate that cuz it it also feels like debilitating cuz we were supposed to like tour around the world in 2020. Mm. And we had like but we were booked at festivals in Norway and Sweden. and I like, mean, we
2: started that year with wow. like 10 months of tour. You know, we changed the name. We were going to be on tour. We were on tour when everything started getting shut down, right? So we, you know, we were ready to like go hard in the transition of the name. But at the end of the day, we're, we're not sad that it happened. We're, we're so grateful. These are the conversations we'd rather be happenin- ha- having. And we um, all
3: have to like, it's like a rite of passage. I feel like in my creative life, changing my name and or changing our name, and it, it marks a new chapter of our work that's more intense, even more intentional. Like if we couldn't be more intentional, let's be <laughs> more intentional because the name is the very first thing that anyone hears. Like when they're like, oh, you're in a band, that's cool. What's the band's name? And then you then yeah. it starts, <laughs> first thing. Like your merch, our merchandise says Holy River. People wear shirts that say Holy River. Like what's the impact of that, you know? like. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it just it feels really good. It feels right. and like it's not for it I got to a place because it was really scary to do, but I was like, I'm not doing it for anyone but me, and I know it needs to happen. And so like, yeah, in the same way that people have a hard time when someone needs to change their pronoun or like yeah. or yeah. their name, like no, yeah. it's not your it's not your life. it's that person's life. And you should respect <laughs> what they want. And how they how they see themselves. So, I, it's a it's really I think when you know so deeply that it's what you have to do for you that it's it, you just do it. Yeah.
4: I mean,
0: for me, the the name change just was like, yeah, okay, cool. That that makes sense. So it was almost like a non-event. It was. I mean, I I was like, all right, cool. I got it. I I didn't have a hard time. Like sometimes, like when someone changes their name or their pronouns, you kind of have this period where you sort of. At least I do. Sometimes you stumble a little bit. You're like, okay, and you got to keep reminding yourself, okay, that I need to use this pronoun for this person until it sort of like just becomes, um, you get used to it. It, it Yeah, we're teaching
3: ourselves how to be more fluid. A
0: person sort of maybe, oh, can you hear
3: that? (laughs) A huge siren
2: going. Um, but I mean, you know, us picking the name Holy River coming from the legacy of a song that we wrote while we were Lobo Marino was intentional, too, right? We're drawing from, we're pulling from this past that already exists. Yeah, kind of bridge with, the gap. With the song. Yeah, it was like, you know, we could have picked a totally new name and that would have been, a, I think, a harder... We had a
3: lot of lists. We had a list.
2: <laughs> oh.
3: And really, it's like miraculous that there wasn't already a Holy River. I mean, there might have been the metal band.
2: I think that Holy Rivers, I think, is a metal band. (laughs) But anyway, there wasn't a holy river. Um, uh, And and we got really caught up on this word holy because we knew it was loaded. But we know that's part of our work, too, is to have these conversations around these loaded, um, ancient uh, religious words that people associate with a lot of things, which is why we ended up putting the dash through the O was to sort of like challenge that word a little bit um our intention was for that O oh, to be perceived as a zero which you know in mathematics is like the most powerful number in terms of it can be, represent nothingness and and totality of things in mm-hmm. at the same time and so um but that's a conversation we want to have too uh coming both of us coming from a religious background it's like that's part of the work as well so um it, it was just more of us leaning into our work and where we're going and where we're headed. Like we're gonna
3: be a band for twenty more years, like which name what we are want? the conversations
1: yeah. that we're gonna be having. Yeah. Well and to that end, your um your lyrical themes, you know, definitely and and the name have a lot to do with love of nature and kind of exploring humanity's place within that and in, in connection to it. Um and obviously it seems like you try to draw on that in your own lives besides musical inspiration. So could you Could you speak a little bit to that? Because I know a lot of your work is kind of
3: tied into activism and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I feel as though, um, like, there's a great forgetting that um, we as humans are nature and that we see ourselves as separate from it. Um, We've created, like, concrete environments that are not nourishing to us in any way um, and and synthetic environment I mean but even things syn- everything synthetic is nature too so that's that's you know everything is nature I <laughs> tell <Yeah. laughs> just this even idea the- that
2: we think of ourselves as separate is a huge one that Lainey's picking up on is that we you know it's almost like them.
3: the sorry it's almost like the birds
1: in the background got louder when we changed the tub to like, nature nature <laughs> like we're
2: here we're here <laughs> Yeah, I mean, mean, we get this question a lot, lot, right? Like, you know, what is your connection to nature and what are you trying to cultivate? And it's almost like, well, it's like, it's just what we are. It's who we are. It's who all of us are. And maybe some of us have forgotten or we've created environments where we can think of ourselves as disconnected. But, you know, it takes maintenance and it takes human energy to keep paving those roads so that the grass doesn't bu- bu- bust through, right? Like that's what about the
3: God bless the grass. God
2: bless the grass song is, is a I'm blanking on who wrote it. I would It's love like
3: it. an old Christian hymn called God <laughs> bless the grass.
2: Wow. And, uh, for um, the concrete or for the grass is living and the concrete is dead and God bless the grass. And it just sort of paints this image of the grass bursting through the concrete. And it, it's like that's the living thing. That's the thing that keeps and we it takes our human intention to keep suppressing that to think of ourselves as separate when really like the forest was there it got paved it got put up if you let it go the it's just gonna regrow you know it's gonna just come back and so I think for us it's much more just leaning into what is this thing we're already intrinsically connected to which is nature what is this thing that we're already a part of I'm an animal we're all animals and we I think we just sort of forget that and how much Deeper is our relationship with self and our relationship with earth going to be when we acknowledge that relationship and we acknowledge that place and we acknowledge our our space in that in that relationship I like to use that word because I think we really have started to disassociate from having a relation with nature and so um I, I think that's really the mission of our music in a lot of ways is to is to harp back and to call back to that relationship
1: I think there's a lot of um humility in that and so that's well suited to the idea of be holy being in the title going back to that because if holy is hallowed and hallowed is kind of setting something apart in a way but in reverence then it's you know for lack of a better term sort of like bowing down to paying respect to and that's a that's a humble humble angle to come at it from which is appropriate because it's like like you said it's all nature. It's like, whoa, yeah. Absolutely. What well, my big friend, thing. Yes?
2: And that, that, humbleness oh, <laughs> that humbleness pulls back on yourself. Oh, sorry. That humbleness pulls back on yourself because if we are part of nature and we're like humbly like kind of bowing to it, then it's like that's ourselves too, right? So we're like, we're honoring ourselves while we're also honoring the other thing.
3: I was taking a grafting workshop yesterday and the teacher read a, a, a um, quote that said something like, everything in nature is sacred or desecrated. Mm-hmm. like it's because it, it's all inherently sacred so if it's not sacred it's been desecrated mm-hmm. and I think that that's by many times by our over as humans are feeling like we have to control everything and I mm-hmm. understand that comes from like eons of trauma of like just trying to exist mm-hmm. and, and it's hard to exist sometimes in nature because nature can be also brutal um, but We've gotten to places, technology, and our living systems, where I think we can uh, back off a little bit with our aggressive uh, tactics that we use.
1: Yeah, be able to relearn a, a more symbiotic coexistence. Yeah,
2: Always. that ties that ties into our relationship not only with nature but with the, each other, right? That that like force, that strong force, that mentality of supremacy that we will have either that we use other uh, other people or or over the environment of in the land right and so the more we lean into relationship and the less we lean into these mentalities of control and supremacy i think the the better off we are going to end up uh, facilitating and co-creating and co-collaborating with the things around us
0: i want to just um just jump back real fast um and then just say that when we First, discovered you, and I'm Ellen was like, "Yo, you get you know this band, and I was like, No. And I remember that she literally listened to like <laughs> every song for like how long was it? It was it
1: was just the only thing I had on recently like, while I was at work. <laughs> was just, like,
0: before we saw you live, we just both deep dived in into your your music, and but I just every time I listen to it, it's just I, I feel like it's like. I can i feel like it's got this healing quality to it
3: i think feel like that's just been like a great gift to us of that like we just kind of stumbled upon creating that it's not really even like intentional i mean there's we have a lot of intention in our music but it like i had no idea i didn't even have this voice until like celebrate until that song came and like (laughs) I did it, there's so much of it that just like happened and so um, I'm just like eternally grateful for this work as, as our vocation and I like miss it so much and it's just like not the same, um, not being able to share it in the ways we have before but I'm just like, I, I'm deeply moved by the fact that it has that, people, people are affected by it in that way.
2: Yeah, true. me too. And yeah, I'm honored and humbled
1: Gen- by it. Jennifer and I kind of had the the same sense about it that it's almost like your songs are sort of incantations in a way. They're like chants because they they kind of get they they re- they very much choose to repeat certain words and the words that they choose to repeat carry a lot of weight and it's kind of like gently putting that out there to lock it into to more than just even a mental listen. Like, I feel like each time I listen, I might get a little bit of something different out of it based on how I'm feeling that day, which is, you know, that's kind of how music works in general. But I think it's a meeting in the middle between the listener and the person creating the music and the way that you guys have created your music is such that it really almost can can key in the listener. Like, it'll, like I could be in one state of mind and then sometimes you choose what you're gonna to listen to to reflect the state of mind as a catharsis. But in this case, it's like your musical can pull me out of maybe sometimes a state of mind I don't wanna be and put me
2: in a, in a better one. And yeah. we were both raised, you know, with like hymnal music and hymn music and devotional music, right? And, and so I think it's like, that was in us. It was like, uh, you know, in us to sort of create these like hymnals or this devotion and, and now it's more like, but what are we devoting ourselves to, right? And what is yeah. the, the the devotion? Because you will say things like devotional music, and people will instantly to be like, oh, that word maybe hurts. But it's like, but it's just, we're just talking about the word devotion, right? So what, you know, what what is that? What are we devoting it well, to? Well,
3: and our music is intentionally written very open. Like, we stay mystical because we understand that, like, we don't want to be too specific because we want people to be able to put their own experience. Mm-hmm. We want to leave space for the person mm-hmm. and their unique experience. And so um, we try not to be too directive or, or, um, or specific, unless we really in, want to be, and yeah, unless it's, <laughs> unless it's really important that we're very specific. But, but like, just you know, like an incantation in this one of the songs would be like, "Listen, you know, listen, mm-hmm. listen, listen,
4: listen, listen." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite
3: pretty, songs. Pretty open.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, and especially when I'm like listening to your music, and I and I work in like a one of those very man-made concrete constructions with, you know, no windows and, um, it's, you know, it's a warehouse and just a, you know, um, this brings a little of that green world into that space, but the juxtaposition, you know, some things and it, it, um, illustrates where we are, where we may want to be.
1: So you guys founded something called earthful collective there in Richmond, which, um, it operates somewhat independently of you, so you can go still travel and tour. Um, since you haven't been doing that as much this past year, have you invested more in Earthfolk? Could you tell the listeners a little bit about what that collective is, and maybe what you've got, um, what you've got in the works with it currently, while you're not touring as much and things like that?
3: Sure. We got solar panels this year. Woo! <laughs> um, Earthfolk, the project started. Um, about six years ago when we bought this old dilapidated condemned farmhouse in richmond in the middle of richmond um that had been abandoned for 20 years and it was on an acre of land and like literally in like the middle of the city and um as we've been restoring the house even like before it was safe really to have people here we would like invite people to come and do come do workshops, donation-based workshops, and also we'd have lots of parties, lots of parties, uh, generally around uh, harvests. So we have a big like mulberry party and everyone come and gather mulberries. So your
2: entry has to be you have to pull a mulberry off of a tree and eat it unless you're allergic. We'd make
3: jam on the fire and have bands play and we had all kinds of performance art. And and so um, it was like a community hub for earth-based education and art.
2: And we knew Richmond needed that. We had lived in a lot of different communes and a lot of different different collective spaces before this. And we knew that it was a need or something of Richmond. And, and we had artists in residence live here as well and things like that. And yeah, we had
3: we would rent out the house and the artists in residence would and live in, in the, the bedrooms. Cooper. And we lived in this camper for five years. And it wasn't until COVID that we moved into the house finally.
2: And COVID actually revealed a lot to us in terms of, like, you know, this house, we always called it an incubator and kind of a, a place to, like, grow and start something. And I think uh, since that, since it's happened and everything's become a little more private, we also f- uh, founded a food forest across the street in the park called Fonicella Food Forest. And that was maybe, like, four or five years ago. Um, and so we've just been f- felt really convicted about, like, Okay, we've gotten to this place where we were having workshops and we were having parties, and we've incubated it long enough, and it's now kind of time to transplant that into the food forest, and so into our in-
3: public space. Into
2: public space, mm-hmm. and so our intention mm-hmm. now is to move um, most of the things that used to happen here—workshops and celebrations around harvest—to this public space, to parks, and uh, so that it is more accessible and it's more wide open, and it can be seen and experienced by more people, um, and. So and you said
1: that's just across the street from you, it's so right across the street mean, from you. yeah, <laughs> just the extension of your yard. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well I mean, it's Not everybody really. anyone's it's yard. Every, yeah, yeah, that's the
3: beautiful thing is this public space, so it's everybody's, and and it also like is a really different approach to the community gardens department in the city of Richmond, and so um, it's been really like revolutionizing the way that the city perceives the potential of community gardens because before it was just like. People rented their plots, and like that was how it did. We have this like totally decommodified two-acre green space community that is cleaning. like co- based on uh, foraging and community gleaning, and also we do um, like weekly food redistribution, uh, like a kind of like a branch of food not bombs in in the the food forest, and give away free groceries and are gonna have a lot of programming there starting hopefully this year um so I, it's it's cool because it it's um it's just like a different kind of influence for the, yeah. the cities.
2: well it's more appropriate and it kind of shows us like that things take time and that um nature and visions and things take a while to reveal themselves and i'm so grateful for how earth folk you know, for what it was during the time that it was and the types of workshops and the things that was happening. And now it does, it, it, it has shown us, yeah, this needs to become more public. And this needs to be taken away from private space that feels intimidating to people and more in public mm-hmm. space where it's easy to, to be accessed.
3: And also, um, we're shifting earth folk into a um, nonprofit record label. Cause now yeah. earth folk to us has become oh. kind of like a genre. Of earth-based folk oh, music. There are a lot of actual oh, musicians nice. that I think of as like earth folk musicians and so we're converting our shed here into a recording studio and we're going to uh, attempt in the long run to make a record label that will support earth folk artists in uh, tour booking international tour booking and recording and and like all the
2: resource all the, like, sharing and things yeah, like that. Yeah.
3: That's awesome. the hard stuff of being a band, like, you know, making so your, much. your website and putting your music online and, you know, all that stuff we've been doing for so long that are, are good skills, but uh, help up and coming musicians do that. And also like we have, we're connected to a bunch of musicians all around the world. who We also want to work with mm-hmm. and, and um, like we have friends in India that we're helping with their music and friends um, in in Norway and
2: mm-hmm. and I mean we still want to use this home for um you know occasional collaborative events and some and and workshops and fundraisers but we just know that it's going to be better served for the overall community if we move this more into public space and so yeah
1: that um, makes sense but yeah. I mean that's a good sign it means it's grown enough that
4: yeah it's now even the city's
2: green.
1: like hmm we're gonna take you seriously now <laughs> you know
0: like that's awesome
4: yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe you're on to something,
4: <laughs> right?
0: Um, that's so cool about the the record label and the. That's so exciting. I'm. That's like, I can't wait to hear more Earth folk music.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's like There's the so five, It's stuff. like the five-year
2: plan. We yeah, yeah. have so much work to do, but I mean, the intention is there, the vision is there, and that's the first big steps. <laughs>
0: You like to use your music as an opportunity to also spread awareness for various concerns, often ecologically related, in an activist sense. Can you give some examples of things you've been working on as such, be it locations you've played, fundraisers, and or donation drives of different kinds you've spearheaded, etc.? What are some of the initiatives you've been supporting and wish to be raising awareness for? It sounds like you've,
2: Mentioned a few. (laughs)
3: Uh,
2: Well, we could mention some. There's so many. There's so many.
3: Yeah, we've really used our music a lot for over the years for different things. I mean, specifically recently in the past few years, um, doing a lot of organizing around stopping the Mountain Valley Pipeline and the Atlantic Coast Pipeline, Um, we would just play a lot of rallies. Um, make a lot of media, music videos talk about, about the tour. issues. <laughs> talk about it on tour constantly, and um, do a lot of support work for like the culture of the activist community here in Virginia. Fundraisers which,
2: for it, yeah, lots, of, things, lots yeah. of
3: fundraisers. But but ACP was canceled in 2020, which is awesome. Atlantic pipeline is like officially dead, which is amazing because it's a multi-billion-dollar project that was being spearheaded by the energy monopoly that in our state dominion. And, um, now recently we've been doing a lot of work to help uplift the tree sitters in Elliston, Virginia at Yellowfinch tree blockade, who were blocking the mountain Valley pipeline for 932 days, but, um, they were removed, uh, last month in March, a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago, um, by the police. And they're in jail right now. Oh, man. Um, but we all are still, you know, working towards stopping the mountain valley pipeline and getting our friends out of jail. And, um, you know, it, it, it there's just like, and, and talking about the issue of like, here's some individuals who just decided to live for two and a half years in the trees on platforms to protect the forest and they're in jail without bond and the this pipeline company that has like ripped apart the mountains and destroyed many many streams and, and has, violated like, many permits thousands and many laws. of dollars in water violations with the department of environmental quality and no one's arresting them and putting them in jail yeah. but it's just like the yeah pointing out the inequality of the the system and how corporations are seen as people in some ways but not seen as people in other ways and how inconsistent and messed up and how they have
2: different accountability. And I mean, I think that's true with all activism, although our lane is very much ecological and environment, environmental based. The intersectionality with all of our struggles is like incredibly important to talk about and is incredibly important to point out. Right. So when the ACP was proposed to happen, they proposed to put the compressor station, which was the most polluting and the most loud and the the most detrimental part of that uh, project um, in a predominantly African-American, historically African-American community. And uh, it just shows the environmental racism tactics that corporations continue to use. And the same thing that Laney is talking about where the tree sitters were extracted from their trees through the vehicle of police. But yet the, these companies that violate laws and have just as you know many violations of the law um, the are more. more violations of the law and
3: more violent
2: and way more violent are, are not being held accountable by the police, are, are held accountable instead by a completely different agency. Right. And so. Um, where do these issues intersect and how do we um, point that out, I think, is really important. And so it's good for all of us to know where our voices can be heard and where it can be maximized. But, like, um, I would like to see activism in general getting a lot better at pointing out these um, intersectionalities and where yeah. all of our struggles... The patterns, yeah. yeah. I, the, in the,
4: our, I think our it would help uh, the,
1: bigger, the bigger picture overall to... Um, To solve the problems and for the healing to occur is to realize where there is that overlap and everybody can help
2: lift each other up for sure Mm -hmm. absolutely and just the thinking of like the micro environment to the macro it's something we touch a lot on in our lyrics and in our Mm -hmm. uh, our you know our intention anyway but it's like so get to the micro do the work but zoom out and see how it's affecting how the macro is affected as well um and yeah you know the more collaboration and the more that we can um point out these things that the better the better off we're going to be the more we tell our the true histories the more we focus on what's really happening
0: it sounds like the story of the tree sitters is a documentary right there like that that whole story is is fascinating and when when we heard you play i remember you spoke about them
2: yeah um, i think
1: you were taking donations for them donation,
2: time. yeah Yeah, we've taken donations for them many times, but um...
3: yeah, I think one of the things that's humbling to me is that like, so, you know, two people are in jail right now, but there have been hundreds of people involved in that Mm -hmm. effort. And most of them, you'll never know who they are. Like, you know that we're peripherally involved, but we're not deeply involved because it's not safe for us to be deeply involved and this actively you know like to speak about it so much because so the most of the people that are doing like who are like dedicating their lives to the environmental movement to like blocking corporations from destroying the environment you're never going to know who they are they're anonymous because that's part of the security culture and keeping them safe so it's just like
2: And it takes all of us. I'm
3: constantly humbled because, yeah, like people see us as activists, but I'm like, you all don't even know like what. I I could hear,
1: I could hear some song lyrics inspired in that, like something to tribute to the nameless, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we've got everybody psyched up, we should uh, (laughs) transition into actually hearing some of this lovely inspirational music. Um, And you were kind enough to share some of the files with us, so. Um, everybody will get a chance to listen, and I believe we are going to um, start with the song, Courage, which is uh, one of your newer pieces, I believe.
3: Yeah, Courage is the the title track off of our new album, Courage. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah, and as we talk about these songs, spoiler alert, lots of them are about the same thing, just said (laughs) in different ways, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you gotta approach it from all angles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right.
0: So, um, yeah, we're going to listen to
3: courage.
1: Hope everybody enjoyed that as a nice uh, introduction to wet your your palate, uh, Would you like us to? Would you like to share a little bit more about your inspiration there?
3: Yeah, So, courage. Jameson wrote the verses of courage, and I wrote the the like chorus. I guess the end part. And it's about. Let's talk about the, the the beginning part of it.
2: Um, I think it's just talking a lot about how, uh, you know, we, we focus so much on this mentality or this idea of like, you know, save the planet, save the planet. And really it's about saving ourselves and our relationship with this planet. Because, you know, if we get, we get shaken off and we're gone, you know, give this planet a few hundred thousand years or even a million years, which is like nothing to it. And it's like totally fine. And here's the new life and here's the new thing that it's able to cleanse. And so it's, it's sort of seeing us and putting us in our place and relationship with, um, this earth that we share but um, the
3: second part is that that actually you know it, it says look within and you'll see the star spark of sunlight begins to grow grow the ground as it turns to soil that soul the center of us all which is that you know what would it be like to live our lives as though we like I really deeply understood that like we are both made of this we are made of the soil the same elements and we are made of the stars and we're completely eternal because matter and energy just are cycled over and over again and so the beauty of that revelation makes just existing and breathing this spectacular act of of life and that we are able to be conscious of our existence is so amazing so um yeah it's, i also think of courage that song just as like Jumping into the ocean and like floating on the waves, you know, and just letting them toss you around and Understanding that like you are the same thing as the waves. Yeah you know? And I mean
2: on the same themes we've talked about how we how we are just we are nature we are a part of nature and so just trying to thin thin up that veil of, of Thinking of ourselves as separate or as if the earth is this thing that needs to be saved by us right? That instead it's just more like, no, it's just us having right relationship with ourselves and with the planet is what it it needs.
1: (laughs) And and the the choice of the title for that reason is very, uh, like, it's got a lot of oomph to it because it's like, whoa, you know, we're specks of dust. So it's really courage on our part to just be okay with that. And if we can accept that amount of humility, then we might actually be at at the baseline we need to be to start working on rebuilding those kinds of Mm -hmm. relationships. So it's it's kind of, it in and of itself is sort of a call to action being titled Courage. I really like that. that That's kind of, it's kind of subtle. You have to read the lines to really get, it's like, oh, that's why we need the courage. That's what that's talking about. That's awesome. But also like
0: the ideas in the song are kind of so different from all the ideas that we've been taught growing up, living in our society. So it almost takes courage to, I guess it's similar to what Ellen I said, have, yeah. have those ideas to pull away, to, 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 to think, uh, to sort of uh, think along this, this, think differently,
3: Absolutely. You know, live and your life differently. I feel, like, differently. I feel like the album Courage is is like a album for going through process and like unraveling yourself, and then trying to reconstruct yourself, <laughs> um, it's like a a sonic guide for reconstruction, deconstruction, reconstruction. Because it was written like for like between 2019 and 2020 in this like really tumultuous, like hard, weird time, and and um, and where we do have to like redo so much patterning in order to to, to heal, and. Um, so yeah, so that Courage is also, it's the first song on the album, it's the title of the album. It's like, you want to go on this journey? Let's do it. Let's,
1: and let's boy, it. did it ever get released at the right time. Jeez. <laughs> that was just, the universe was like, yes, uh, you need to be ready for this. Here's, yes put this yeah, album out in
2: 2020. We didn't know everything that was going to come after, but we were, we were just like so humbled that everything came through the way that it did. And And I just think so many folks are afraid of that deconstruction process because they're afraid that when they deconstruct that they're left with nothing, but that's not true with anything you deconstruct. You're then left with a pile of material that you can use to rebuild. So it's right. like, you know, there's so much fear around this idea of deconstruction, but it's like deconstruction doesn't just like remove everything it's like you're left then with something else that is powerful material to be able to make it and shift it and build it into into new ways and so um that's the courage element yeah. uh-huh. <laughs>
4: um,
2: i do actually a lot of construction and a lot of people are like oh what do you how do you do construction and i was like well you know more than half of it is just having the courage to break the thing you know it's <laughs> like you've got to you know if i'm rebuilding something more than half of that work is just knocking it over And then the second half of the work is putting it back together. (laughs) So the next
1: tasty sonic treat you have for us is the song Seasons. So we'll go ahead and listen to Seasons now. That was great. So what do you have to tell us about Seasons?
3: So Seasons is a love song. (laughs) It's a song about um, like being in a relationship with something, even if it's just yourself, um, through many different experiences in life, with different seasons in life. It's particularly, I told Jameson, it's it's a love song I wrote to him, which it it was originally. a hidden
2: love song. Um,
3: But it also is, was about, written at the same time that um, his sister was going through, um, she had cancer while she was pregnant and wow. was going through chemotherapy treatments during her pregnancy and, and it was just a very like scary time. And so it was also written about her, fa- her relationship with her family, her husband and her children and like how these really difficult times Um, change us but not necessarily in a bad way in a good way you know it says um, and the roots are widening to prepare for winter Um, they will make us strong you know like that the hard times fortify us for the the easy times and that it's all just part of living and then that like proclamation of hallelujah of being like even in, like, the hardest shit that you can say hallelujah, you know? Because I feel like that's a really something that, like, we want to continue in our lives to be um, really um, attuned to is this aspect of, like, being able to look at the things that are hard and to be with the things that are hard, to be with the grief, to be with the, the pain, to be with the... All the ugliness. I feel like um, from like what I draw from my childhood as a Christian, like Christ consciousness is that um, it that Jesus could like hang with the ugliness, and and that's what compassion is. It's not being like I can't look at this. It's being like, all right, this serves this has its own medicine, and is serving a purpose in my life, and is um and, and I will I can be here. Um, again yeah, how do we
2: how do we draw inspiration from the season sorry go ahead
1: oh i was just gonna say that's why i always um i i don't know well enough to be able to quote a lot of bible but one of the ones that i've always appreciated is the uh, in ecclesiastes with the um to everything there is a season you know like that's mm-hmm. yeah that, that's really what it all boils down to and there's a lot of um you know, personal growth and maturity that comes from being able to recognize that we're just constantly changing and everything's constantly evolving and playing off of everything else. And so yeah, to everything there is a season that's very
2: appropriate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, drawing drawing inspiration from the seasons, like when is it appropriate to shed right the things and when is it appropriate to let them from what we see die only to be reborn again you know and another season and so it's it's a lot of these things a lot of the infrastructure a lot of the things we're talking about right now as society what what do we hold on to in our roots and what do we shed you know and let pass so that they can be reborn
1: so next we've got one that's uh maybe i don't know i almost say a little edgier somehow um don't say sorry so we'll listen to don't say sorry Can you tell us a little bit about Don't Say Sorry?
3: Yeah, so similarly to what we were saying before about being able to be in the grief space, um, Don't Say Sorry is about grief. I wrote it after my stepfather died very suddenly, and I was spending time with my mother who was dealing with her new widowhood, and people kept on saying, Oh, I'm so sorry, which is of course, you know, like what you say, but there was something about the way that people were interacting with her saying that word, that phrase, sorry sorry for your loss, that felt like a wall that they were putting up to not have to like go any further in empathizing with her and like joining her with her grief. And, um, so it became almost like an isolating phrase. And so that song is about, how even though like grief and death is the mo- one of the most shared experiences that we have as humans, just like birth, we don't know how to be with each other in it, our, our culture, um, without isolating mm-hmm. each other. And so, you know, the sun rises and falls, we all experience that. We see that. And it's a question of how do we learn how to better share in our collective grief and then at the end tying that to the, our collective grief about the situation the destruction of our ecosystems forests in the kiln was the original name of that song which was written about which is um uh, about these giant kilns that they built in the mountainside in wasaic new york where they stuffed all the trees to make coal so oh, people wow. in this new york city could have heat but they burn down the forests of, of New York, and so it's like this grief of, like, what are we doing, and like, what what is the impact of this way that we're living here, um, that we're also not processing, and it's manifesting itself in really like unprocessed grief, turning into yeah. really really um, detrimental societal factors. It's almost like yeah
1: kind of going back to that micro and macrocosm analogy you know our culture's inability to even just comfortably and not awkwardly interact with one another in a situation uh, such as death um in any consistent meaningful way anyway is you know it's like what does that say about how we're interacting on the larger scale in relation to loss and the things that we contribute to in law? Mm-hmm. So, I was curious the um the line, and I may or may not pronounce it correctly. It says, "You say Om nama Shivaya like you were in transition."
2: Yeah. What so does that uh,
1: mean, and why is it in there?
2: <laughs> yeah. So we spend we spend a lot of time and play a lot in the healing arts community, you know, and yoga in, in yoga communities and in the healing communities in general. And and so what we were witnessing, uh, oftentimes with folks that were leaning into that was this um, desire to kind of heal self, right, and go through this process of self, but then not necessarily turning that into action. What what, what has kind of become now thought of as spiritual bypassing, right? Mm. And so it, it we were kind of like trying, and this is something we talk a lot about at these festivals, which I think um, everyone should have access to as a spiritual practice. So it's not us like trying to poo-poo on the yoga community or what they're necessarily doing, but it's more like if you are being drawn to it specifically just for the purpose of healing yourself and you're not seeing on a macro level that your actions change with, with what you're interacting with, then you are missing it, <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. so essentially mm-hmm. when you call out Om Shivaya, which is like, uh, supposed to be a transition,
3: uh, call- Shiva's God of transition, mm-hmm. destruction, transformation, you know? So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a destructive transforming entity. And, um, I, I mean, when I was writing that lyric, it was almost like saying you're you're praying to this ancient deity that's that is destruction and transformation. Um, and like, let's not do that flippantly. Let's not do that without <laughs> cultural understanding of what you're doing. Um, let's like actually like, are you really do you really want to sing Om Namah Are you ready for what that might bring into your life? if that's what you're calling upon is like destruction and transformation. I think
2: that's why it goes macro with the forest and the kiln and the waters can be mm-hmm. lost, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like you see so many folks calling this in for transformation of self, but it's like but what are what is also being transformed Ramifications. around you? Yeah, what, yeah. Is, what are all the things that are in transition around you that you're maybe missing cuz you're it's it's so self-focused. Mm-hmm. And so it was uh, you know, a little bit of like um pointing that out. But I think that's a lot of our work to do is point out the inconsistencies in our own life as well. So um, that's all of our shared work, you know?
0: <laughs> I think a lot of times we're trained to just see ourselves and not think about community and a, you know, so I think that, you know, it's, it takes some work to shift into, oh, well, I see myself, but also like think about how I've affect the larger community and how much I could maybe give or how much maybe I'm causing harm.
1: Well, that's a good transition to the next song, which has been one of my personal favorites out of your repertoire. And that is the song Awake. We will listen to Awake. Want to hear your thoughts on the inspiration behind this song and I feel like um it's probably one you play a lot at shows just because it's uh, it's got a lot of depth to it um so yeah what can you tell us about Awake?
3: Well that song was written specifically about the, the Atlantic Coast Pipeline and the again speaking to like a mindful community it was like written to Yogaville um about the pipeline because they were an impacted community. They, it would run like right next to the ashram, cross the James river, right before they wow. impact their water, their springs, like they were very impacted. Um, or they would have been impacted if it had been built, but it's not, so it's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was asking, it was like talking, it was kind of like the introduction of like, Hey, this is going on <laughs> to the community. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's this com- this this company that's coming to try to take your resources and exploit you, and and um and to draw a bunch of lines on the earth and to uh to ex- exploit the resources of the collective whole for their own profit. And uh, we all, what can we do to to transform this and to like use it because i mean it's interesting because uh we did the light program there the living yoga training program many many years ago and we were kind of like on and off we we'd help with some retreats and things and um for a period of time i felt as though i was my spiritual service to the ashram was in this pipeline resistance and um so I would just be like going doing like random things like making these music videos. We made a music video there about it. And on top of the, the mountain by overlooking Lotus temple. And, um, yeah, uh, it, it's just like, how do we look at these issues and this, this work that we have to do uh, from a, a spirit filled lens and how do we engage with these, issues without being fear mongering and to help ourselves evolve and, and become more conscious through the struggle. A lot of times there's like an aversion, like at first I had an aversion to the word like fight or struggle. um, In this, the activist sense of like when we had a campaign of something that we were fighting, but now I see it in a different way and I'm, I'm okay. I like, I'm okay with the energy that it takes sometimes to, to fight. Um, Because sometimes it's important to fight and uh, you can fight in a righteous, just way. Um, I can see
1: how, having now heard that backstory, how the lyrics to Awake kind of are that introduction to. So again, you're great with the title being like the haha. guess what this means. You know, it's like Awake. It's like, are you awake in case you weren't? here's what's going on and, oh, by the way, you answered your own thing. And like you, you gave an answer within it because it wraps up with the sort of the listen, 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 mm-hmm. repeated like a mantra. So it's like if people are
3: like, ah, I'm awake now, what do I do? It's like, Shh.
2: yeah, it's okay. Just listen. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: And we don't know what the answer is. You know that like each person's response is a deep, deeply internal <laughs> personal thing he has their own process know?
2: to go through and this kind of ties into the last song when you asked about like the line the Omni Mahshivaya like um, you know I think they're and actually I'll use a teaching of Sachinananda since we are talking about Yogaville right there's this teaching that like your practice your personal spiritual practice is like sharpening a tool and you sharpen that tool to use that tool and then when that tool gets dull you go back to it and you sharpen that tool and I think sometimes folks get stuck in that sharpening process and never really mm-hmm. actually go out and use that tool Um, for what it's intended to be used for, which is action. Um, And so in that same way that we were drawn and inspired by that, that's kind of like our bringing the awareness of the action. And then there's another line in the song, um, "Will we draw our lines upon the earth was um, inspired by Khalil Gibran's uh, The Prophet and the chapter on laws. Um, And if you aren't familiar with that book, it gets used a lot for like weddings and things like that. But um, uh, there's a line that talks about like, well, what are laws? and Khalil Gibran as um from the like perspective of the prophet says well laws are just people who turn their backs to the sun and see their shadows cast and draw lines around their shadows hmm. and um, and then that was like us kind of thinking in this imagery and if and if they turned around it's not said in the book but we we're like if they turned around they would see that everyone's cast in the same sunlight uh, um, and so awesome. that's like you know so these corporations that are coming in and think they have a right to stand above everyone else, cast a shadow and draw their lines. We are all in the same shared place with the same shared sun, and so how do we regeneratively look at each other in different ways too?
0: I love this song even more now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think you it didn't, was about? Right I, didn't think it <laughs> was about? Um, I well, I thought it was you know about like the same thing we're standing in the same sunlight like we are all the same we are all in the same place um and i love the listen part because i think that we our lives are so chaotic a lot of times cultural expectations yes thank you and and you know and then the stuff about like uh you know like capitalism makes it tough and um wages are low and just all this stuff it and we don't it doesn't give us that time to pause and like just go outside and like be like be quiet and i think it's so important and the song brings attention to that importance that, that's that's what i saw so um it's that too <laughs>
1: Now, Lainey, you were saying, you know, you kind of it was a good it was a good segue talking about um, the how recognizing that struggle and fight aren't inherently like bad things, depending on how it's used in, in recognizing that fact. So I wondered if that was a good segue into our next song, Spirit Riot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's another a new one. So we'll give that a listen and then uh, change pace here a little bit. Righty, so this one definitely uh, calls out some very specifics. So uh, yeah,
2: Yeah, (laughs) right.
1: It might be self-explanatory,
3: but tell us about it anyway. Yeah,
2: yeah. Before exactly, all of our other songs being so mystic, this one's pretty like it's it's pretty clear.
3: (laughs) That song was written about the tree sitters for the tree sitters. I mean, it's it's a thousand percent inspired by them and how badass they are living in the forest for so long and just the, it's a mad a mad, this cute i w- <laughs>
4: um
3: i i would always say you know i've i would talk to people at yogaville again and be like you want to to think about like a, a badass yogi is someone who's just going to sit in a tree for like 2 years you know it's like <laughs> that's the most
2: talk about tree pose yeah <laughs> oh, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the
3: image of like people who are born into the society of this like you know concrete high-rise phone ridden society turning their backs and like walking away from the city lights into the forest and being like I'm going to protect the forest because I am the forest and and that the song is is the when the people realize that they are the forest too and that they that that's that we're here to stay that we are that's us it's just like that's what we are we just are we exist and we are nature and that's just what is and so just be it i think it's a
2: manifesting song too at the end of like i see it coming down the parts that are coming down Mm -hmm. so the same way we talked about celebrate being this manifesting song of manifesting the world we want to see and that have such like a you know celebrate has such a like joyful and positive thing and and but but in order for us to even get to these places of joy it's like what needs to be broken down and dismantled in the in the place and we talked about that with seasons right what do we what do we give ourselves permission to lay to rest you know, and what do we need for the next transition for us to be able to celebrate? And so, you know, it is a manifesting song and it's and it's harsh and it's sharp, but, you know, we need that too. You know, we need the scythe to be able to cut down the things that are no longer serving us in order to make room for the things that are going to be regenerative and continue us to be able to grow.
1: I see you brought back uh, the shadow lines concept as well. Now that we had just talked about that, I was like, oh, it makes an appearance here too. Mm-hmm. Oh
3: yeah, that that's Jameson lyrics for sure. He's <laughs> always talking about the shadow lines. Yeah, what are the shadow lines in that in that song? Oh, the same one. It just says the your same, shadow lines. Same the same one. ones. We
2: tied it back around exactly. The law, the law makers. Yep, yep. The shadow lines. We brought it. You know, it's it's there to, deliberately. I'm glad you picked up on it. I'm always if anything's like you know kind of like darker sounding, it's usually a lyric. It's I'm so right. <laughs> yeah.
3: Jameson can't get away from the, the punk in him, you know. It's just like, yeah.
1: Well, you know, that helps it. keep the operation grounded. you know. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I don't want to get away from it, really. You know, it's like it's the balance. It's it's we gotta get the
1: gritty the gritty truth in there with the with the happy highs too. Mm-hmm, you know?
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't dwell too long in either, right? It's it's the balance of being able to hold each one. I mean, you're gonna see so much healing if you can hold hold both sides of yourself.
1: Well, we are coming to. I would say is the last song, but I'm actually going to make a request. You should send us the file for "Celebrate" too, because we've talked about it so oh, much. Yeah. Yeah. We should tack that best. one on too. So <laughs> um, maybe second to last, uh, "Holy River," your namesake, um, and actually the first song of yours that I heard, uh, mm. which got me got me into y'all, uh, because I was like, "Oh my!" I was I was actually doing a yoga class, so there's that tie-in too. During a yoga class, it was on the 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 playlist mix of the instructor. And it was a list that somebody had given her. So she didn't even, she wasn't like super in the know of who you were. And I was like, oh my God, I need to find out who that was and what that song was. And then it just went from there. Um, but obviously this is a very meaningful song, not just for all the reasons you said people have incorporated it into their own lives, but um, even obviously uh, what inspired you to write it and why it was important enough that it became your uh, project's namesake. So uh, we'll give Holy River a listen and then hear what you have to say about that. yes, let us hear about Holy River.
3: Holy River was like such a process. I mean, it's, it's one of the songs that like just came immediately and just existed out of my body, you know, like, but um, it came from a very arduous life journey of um, going, me getting very sick in Puerto Rico. I got dengue fever and was hospitalized and um didn't uh you know okay for years and years and years i was like just traveling around the world and i was one of those people that was like protected by their own naivete i feel like i um (laughs) like never thought anybody was going to do anything bad to me so i would just treat everyone as though they were wonderful and i think that that protected me in a lot of situations but um this, when I got dengue, it started me in like a cycle where I was in the opposite space where I Mm. like just felt really vulnerable and I didn't feel as though I was fortified enough to do the things that I needed to do. And we, we went back to where I used to live in Spain. We were potentially going to live there. And I had not healed from the dengue, even though I thought I had. And I, it, and the like instability caused me to have a lot of panic attacks and I like abandoned Jameson in Spain and went home and was like, cause he wanted to go to Morocco and walk the Camino. And I had already walked the Camino, Santiago Compostela. And I like had already gone to Morocco and I knew I wasn't in a good spot to like go to Morocco right at that moment. And so I went home to be with my family while Jameson did those things on his own, which was actually a really beautiful, wonderful experience to after being together for so long to have some separate journeying time. But, um, then Jameson came home and he was like I really want to go to India and I didn't want to go to India because I had been to India multiple times before and knew what it what it would require from me physically like just how I needed to be fortified and I knew I still wasn't well enough to to go but I wanted to be well enough and and so much of it because of the panic attacks there was like this psychological aspect of it that um I didn't know how to heal from. And so that's when we first, uh, enrolled in the light program, the living yoga training program at Yogaville. And it was through um, a month of really intensive yogic study and, and um, practice and praying and meditating that I got to a place where I was healed enough, um, to be able to go to India with Jameson. And we went for a month and it we lived in Varanasi for a month. And, uh, that's, It was from that time in Varanasi that as soon as we got home, I I wrote Holy River because, you know, a lot of the imagery in the song is is Varanasi. It's like the crimson and yellow steps and the funeral pyres and the cycle of birth and death and the the river.
2: But I think the Holy River was always about the, the the power of these rivers that run through these cities just like it does in Richmond and how that's our holy river and how so many of these places that we see have this lifeline of waterways that that pass through them. And is what gives a lot of times these like population dense areas life in the the first place. Um, And so uh, even though it was written about Varanasi, like the holy river and the taking back in time and the mud piling up, is all very much about these like intrinsic waterways and the veins that run throughout our planet, connecting us to these oceans and and uh, really a call back to our holy river, which is the river that runs through Richmond.
3: Well, I, I remember I was at, in Richmond and I was I was praying to the around I was praying and meditating at the the James River and I was like, all right, well this river is going to be my teacher and it's going to teach me. To be, I had no idea what it was going to teach me. But then one day with this holy singing Holy River over and over again, I was like, oh, it's part of it is that the waters are brand new. Every moment you see the river, it's new water, but that's the ancient water that's just been recycled over and over again. So the, the rivers are endlessly old and endlessly new. And that that's part of all of this too because that's because if we are also part of the holy river with our bodies we're part of that cycle too that's endlessly old and endlessly new
1: i could definitely tell um what prior to he, your your explanation helps it make more sense to me but i could definitely tell from some of the imagery that there seemed to me Uh, influence of some Indian culture mostly because of like the color schemes and and some of that that you use in the words but what's interesting to me too now knowing that story behind it you know the journey that you took that created the journey of the song maybe part of what contributes to why it's such a traveling song and and used in so many aspects of people's lives is because you know, it's it's not a new thought, you know, by any means to tie in a metaphor of water to the flow of life and so forth. Um, you did it beautifully. It's just, you know, an, another one on to the, that metaphorical pile, so to speak. But um, I think almost even outside of that, what strikes me, especially now in hearing the story, is some of the other imagery in there, which is so specific to a place that you went to me, being a listener who did not know that and has never been there, um my takeaway from it, from that imagery is really interesting because it is, to me, it's something that is like speaking of something that's somehow bigger in life. It's like a reverence to whatever it is in life. So it's interesting to me to hear that some of that imagery was coming from a culture that is so spiritually inclined on, on a, on a very in, intimate daily basis, you can clearly that came through the words because I was picking up on that in some bigger sense without knowing those specifics. That is so cool. You just kind of blew my mind there.
3: <laughs> well, it's also about dying, you know, like it's me dying. I'm like there in my body wrapped up on that funeral pile or like just getting ready to burn in that song, but also understanding that, like, you know, you the holy river is one breath and so am I, you know? Yeah, there's like, definitely
1: a sense of surrender in it, in a good way. But I am curious, who
3: is Sadhu? Oh, Sadhu is a holy person. Like, um, they are, Sadhus are holy, people in India uh, and especially in Varanasi there are a lot of like traveling sadhus who will come and set up tents uh, temporarily by the 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 Ganges for special ceremonies and so um if you're in Varanasi you can like walk around and you'll see sadhus everywhere and sometimes some sadhus will collect some of the leftover ash from the funeral pyres and put it on their skin and they'll like just be wearing the ash of of the dead and you know you'll see some, That's some why they have sometimes you see them they'll have head. like bright color paste on their head and like long dreadlocks and um they're renunciants um they've renounced so it's like the lyrics are sadu you do nothing but prepare the way my soul is just a paste you place upon your head um it's like they are the holy people that are doing the renunciation work to prepare d- during life to prepare us and show us how to surrender life when it's our time.
2: And the song has grown in so much like meanings for us because really the lyrics are very simple. It's pulling from images that we were experiencing in Varanasi, Varanasi and then like images about just the river in general, rivers in general, like all of our connected rivers and what rivers go through in terms of their imagery as well. And so it's like those images and those things have, have evolved and changed for us throughout the years. And and so I think the song is really, is captivating for folks because it is it's like quite simple in its approach of describing just what you're seeing and how this river is like shares the relationship with all the other rivers. Um, But then the very specific images of how that's like very much only Varanasi.
1: It's nice that the song has been able to kind of grow with you and grow with the listeners, even to the point that it is so relevant to change your, your name to it in homage. That's awesome.
2: And that song has really been like, you know, the healing arts, the yoga community has really just like fully embraced and like and, and shared that song so widely through other people's playlists, which we have so much gratitude for and are so like, so grateful to that community and how it's challenged us. And, and we hope that our challenges are good back, you know, right. And that we that we have this like really good, re- like um, relationship. Um,
0: OK, so I guess we're going to um, listen to the last song
1: yeah let's end on this happy celebratory note thank you uh listen to celebrate I guess you've kind of uh, told us throughout this episode uh, little bits and pieces about Celebrate and how it came about, but is there anything else you want to you wanna add about it in closing here?
3: Celebrate is, yeah, I think it, Celebrate is like the, the real tr- for me, the like birth of my artistic revelation of like, oh, this is who I am because that's when I found my voice. It's the first song I wrote on harmonium. It's, um, yeah, and, and then, and it, it, it's interesting because it feels different in different times because we've been playing it in times where like recently where it doesn't feel appropriate to be singing celebrate. But even in the darkest times, we have to, for our own health, mental health, find the things to celebrate. Which are those like small, that we exist, you know, that we are living, we are life expressing itself through the human experience at this moment in time. And we are creating reality because we are alive and that that is to be celebrated even if we are like suffering and in pain and like in very great transition.
2: Mm -hmm. And also to celebrate those moments of victory as we make these like small steps and these small changes to like give ourselves permission to celebrate that and be happy. It's the yes and. Right. Because I think a lot of times in activism we get to the, you know, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And, And this this kind of improv, you know, the yes and has really been showing up a lot for me in the sense of like we, we need to give ourselves permission to be grateful for the things that are happening, but not just stop there. Right? So it's yes. And yes, that's great. And next, you know, like with, with the ACP, when it was canceled, right? It's like, yes, that's amazing. Celebrate that. And it's, time, word
3: to do. <laughs> and
2: it's time to get work on to the next thing. Right. And so celebrate because we play it all the time is a reminder of that for me. It's a reminder to give pause and to give that space to celebrate the things that are worthy of celebrating, um, and you know, and also just to not only be stuck there because it is such a song that's that's painting a world that we don't yet have, you know, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a it's a reminder of the celebration, and the end,
3: and, <laughs> and yeah. that we need to help do whatever we can to end war. I mean, because that's no matter who's in political office right now, there's still like weapons of mass destruction and threaten threats of war, and war just hurts not the people who are calling the wars. Yeah. I mean it hurts them too, but I mean, yes, we still live in the earth where there's lots of work to do. <laughs>
1: that's, that's why it's nice that the opening lines are kind of both an invitation as well as a command in a way. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, the time's come, let's celebrate. But it's like the time has come, you know. Let's celebrate. Like let's move on to this this next phase in life and you know, we're exploring you know, what that would take, but you're kind of offering a vision for it, which is awesome. Thank you guys so very much. This has been amazing.
2: Thank you all so much for for your interview and for having us. Yeah.
1: Um, Well,
0: we're going to put all of your links. So if anybody uh, in our description or in the show notes, if you're listening to us on Anchor or watching on YouTube, um, so you can... um, Check out Holy Holy River on, on on the web and listen to more of their listen to these songs more.
2: I recommend several times. Uh, um, and if you knew us from our era of Lobo Marino, we reissued um, about 10 songs uh, under the name Holy River uh, in the album Songs of the Sea Lion. So if you're looking for a song like Celebrator, we hear the ocean and you have like the habit of going to Lobo Marino. You can keep doing that if you want, but just know that they were reissued and remastered and re-released. And we think they sound better under the like new album uh, Songs of the Sea Lion under our new name. And so um Yeah, it would it would be awesome if you want to get into the habit of following us under the new name. But uh, we're grateful for however and humbled by any listening that happens.
1: Well, we'll share your uh, your band camp links and everything here in the description so people can click and find y'all. Thanks.
2: Thanks. Also, if you wouldn't mind too sharing a a link to the Food Force, Faunacello Food Force, so the people in Virginia or in Richmond. If y'all want to get connected, if you want to come and volunteer and learn more about that, we want that to be a, a larger collaborative volunteer-led type of thing. And so plug in if you're in Well,
1: uh, to that end, I will also note what we always like to note in every show is that you can donate now to our podcast on Anchor. And what we're going to be using those funds for eventually post-COVID is to take this show on the road and go oh, do field cool. trips like that and do the show live from awesome... Uh,
0: locations so yeah that would fit perfectly. We would would love to come visit you guys and check out the food forest continue this conversation and um, you know maybe have more bands from your label at some point uh, if you would have us and so yes you can donate at one dollar five dollars or ten dollars a month just hit Mm. the support button so I want to thank everyone for listening Um, and we will be back um, for an interview
1: with uh, Brian Ballard. Byron, Byron Ballard, Byron Ballard, local author, and we'll be uh, talking to her about her latest book, *Roots, Branches, and Spirits: The Folkways and Witchery of Appalachia*. Nice. You, yeah. That's
0: exciting. It's, I know. It's our um, our first author. So we're having a lot of firsts. And you can find us on Anchor. You can find us on Facebook. There's a Facebook group, uh, Stories for the Earth Facebook group. We're on Instagram. So if you want to join the Facebook group, please do. You can keep up with everything. Uh, Instagram and all those links are below. So I hope everyone has an awesome day. And um,
4: we will see you next time. So bye. 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 <laughs>